I tend to shut things off whenever I am in my creative mode. I I say that, but some of it is stuff that I let in because I let it come through my writing. Like if I'm angry about something, I'll put it in a book because it needs to be said. And so some of those things, but it's almost like a self-protecting thing that I do. So if, you know, if I'm worried about our teenager and his grades, I just have to block that off and tell myself, this is my creative time and I'm not gonna think about the personal stuff right now. Welcome to In the Boat with Ben and Rachel. I am Ben. And I'm Rachel. And this show is all about encouraging people who are creators, who are trying to balance creativity with family life and other responsibilities, and really just in this crazy world we're living in these days, trying to find the inspiration and the motivation to keep making things. You know, the world's a better place when you actually sit down and you make something or you publish something or you put yourself out there you're making the world just a little bit better. But it's hard sometimes. It is. The The last few years have just been probably the most stressful for many, many reasons. Raising a family during a pandemic <laughs> was not something I anticipated I would ever do. Yeah, me neither. I often think, I mean, we have six kids, so it's already crazy. It, it seemed like a manageable thing at the time. But we've managed, you know, like we've survived. We're here. And <laughs> there have even been, I would say... Definitely seasons where we've been thriving as a family and doing well, thriving creatively, thriving in our work. Yeah, I think some seasons have just been harder than others. And uh, and then came a pandemic. Yeah. And then there was the snowpocalypse. Yep, There's... where we were without power for, it was almost 48 hours freezing. Yeah, that was tough. We're definitely going to have to talk about that one of these mm-hmm. t- days. Today's topic is about creativity and maintaining creativity during crisis. And it would be a timely topic without everything that's recently going on in the world. But as it just so happens, it's looking like there might be a path to war. There are constant, especially in the state of Texas, there are constant attacks on freedoms, like the trans legislation that recently came out is horrible. I have no problem saying publicly that I denounce that and support trans people and things like that, voter suppression. And then we're talking about that stuff, but politically, we're more divided than we've ever been as a country. And so that puts a lot of strain on relationships and that kind of thing. So there's just so much going on in the world. You know, most crises, it's like, It happens and it's super stressful and then it goes away. It's like a season of, but it feels like we have been in crisis mode for like two years now. And that begins to wear on you. Somebody asked if we had dodged COVID as a household of eight. And no, we did not. Like when the, the Delta, Delta, the Delta strain, we I was already fully vaccinated and everything. And I got the Delta strain. Two of our other children got it. We managed to keep it from everybody else, which was a miracle in itself. But it was all of that. And then, you know, getting over it, it took me a long time to get over it, even though I had been vaccinated. And so that was a crisis. And then a toilet overflows in our house and we have six months of repairs that we were going through. I mean, it was just like one thing after another. And and I think that's where the crisis gets. It and becomes more than a crisis. Yeah, I don't mind going down the list. So like the toilet <laughs> thing actually happened before getting COVID. That's so true. like we're already dealing with the pandemic. 
we started to kind of loosen up a little bit because like things were starting to look better. Yeah. We, we scheduled a trip to Disney World. Then like just before we were about to leave, things start getting really bad in Florida. Mm-hmm. But we're like, we're I guess we're we already gonna, paid we're for it. Go. The night <laughs> oh, before gosh. we the night before we left was when the toilet overflowed, flooded so much of our upstairs, even leaked down into the downstairs areas. I actually spent like three hours the night before we flew out pulling up, ripping up a bunch of carpet and stuff. And then we left for the trip, but like I was kind of halfway there, halfway not, because and and fortunately we had a good friend who was helping us out with the remediation crew and that kind of thing, but I was still kind of like having to deal with that. During the trip, Rachel got sick and we came back. The house was all torn up and it stayed that way for six oh, months. Oh, it was so long. And in our household, we run by a lot of routine and schedules and things like that. And it just felt like we couldn't do that at all. And so everything was up in the air. It was super stressful for everybody. And when you're dealing with a crisis that just seems to go on and on and never stops, it really has a wear and tear effect on your mental health, which affects your creativity. And it was very hard. We didn't really know that it was going to be six months. We thought maybe at the most six weeks. And it just kept on getting pushed out further and further. Yeah. Then you then you got injured. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I think that was like a physical manifestation of all the stress, too. It just, yeah, I could hardly even walk. It was something, it was actually my uh, SI joint pinched off my piriformis muscle. So on one of my runs, You're I... You're going to have to look that up. Yeah. Sorry. I, I know all of this now. I got back from one of my runs and walked down the hill to our house as a cool down and then could not walk after that. Like it was so painful. It had pressed on my uh, sciatic nerve and everything was just so inflamed. So it was like a four or five weeks being in intense pain and not being able to walk and being such, the doctors had no idea what was going on. I was the one who finally was like, do you think it could be my SI joint? And they were like, oh, yeah, let's check that. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, and I'm such an active person. It was very, very hard. And and running is my way to mitigate stress, you know. And so there was a moment in there. I, I don't know if we're going to talk about this later. But there was a moment in there where I felt like I was having a breakdown. And I was finally like, I've got to get in therapy. This is too much stress. We're dealing with it, it was like a trifecta of stress. And so I knew that from for my own mental health, I needed to get in therapy and just be able to talk and work some things out. Not long <laughs> after that, this isn't as big of a deal, but I rear-ended someone. Oh yeah, there was so that our, too. Our car had to go into the shop and we were fortunate that we were able to work out a rental, but it was one, one seat less than we have in our current. Yeah, <laughs> which is really weird. So um, we couldn't actually fit our whole family in that uh, rental van. Yeah. Somebody always had to stay home. And then recently, very recently, noticed that our water bills were much higher than usual. Couldn't figure out what was happening. Finally, finally worked out that somewhere between our meter and the house, the main line of our house, we had a leak somewhere. And I had just discovered that when there's this big kind of breaker box for your water supply, if you want to think about it that way. So all of the water splits off from this one location in our garage, which is great because you can just turn off one thing and still have water to the rest of the house. Well, that whole thing is leaking now. <laughs> and I am done. I'm just done with yeah. things that leak and water damage. I just don't. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. We should we should have already put in our time, right? Mm-hmm. For like the next 15 years. 
Yeah. With leaks. Fortunately, insurance only covers damage to the house. So like plumbing issues, we have to pay for on our own. <laughs> so um, if we if we had let it damage the house. Yeah, I know. I, I should have uh, should have let it go a little bit more. <laughs> I have I have a whole system though. I've put a little baggie under so it collects the water, and then we've got a shut off valve right there so we can turn the water off and uh, but, turn but it back that, on. But that that's also you know we have to turn the water on and off every time we need to use it. So it's like okay, I'm I'm cooking now. I need to turn the water back on. Yeah. <laughs> What's ironic about that too is that because there is an outdoor leak, when we turn our water off, we're still paying for water because it's slowly leaking outside. We're like a, a walking crisis right now. Yeah. <laughs> At least we can laugh about it, right? So here, you know, here we are in the middle of just crises that are going on in the world. And then we've also got kind of stacked on top personal. of that, these personal crises. And I don't feel like we're unique or alone in that that is kind of the human experience. I think a lot of creators go through seasons like that. Certainly everyone in the world is going through a season of just crisis right now as far as the world is concerned and then accidents happen things come up mistakes are made for whatever reason you might find yourself right now facing some personal crises too how do you have all of that going on in your world and manage to make anything are you asking me i mean yeah i'm actually um. asking you because no i've <laughs> i've been able to hold on to some of my creativity and i have some theories for why that is, but I'm curious about your answer. Well, I think I think on my end, because I'm such a task-oriented person, the habits that I have in place right now, the time that I have set aside for my actual writing projects, I think that's kind of saved me in the personal crises. So as as far as like the nuts and bolts of being creative, I, I feel like having a routine of that definitely helps whenever you come up on crises. But I also think as, as far as the mental work of being creative, and I don't know if this is a healthy thing, but I, I tend to shut things off whenever I am in my creative mode. I, I say that, but some of it is stuff that I let in because I let it come through my writing. Like if I'm angry about something, I'll put it in a book because it needs to be said. And so some of those things, but it's almost like a self-protecting thing that I do. So if I'm worried about our teenager and his grades, because that feels like another crisis in our family, trying to get a teenager to care about whether or not he's passing. And I just have to block that off and tell myself, this is my creative time and I'm not going to think about the personal stuff right now. I think it's more for the personal stuff than it is for the world stuff, because I think the world stuff can really help us when we're being creative. It can give us a sense of purpose to our work sometimes. It's that, it's cutting off some of that and protecting myself. But it's also, I mean, therapy has been a big thing for me lately, because just having that space to talk and sort through some things that are weighing on your mind. I also, every morning, the first thing I do is journal. So getting some of those things down clears my mental space so that I can then go run and let my brain work on some of the, either the personal stuff or some of the creative stuff that I want to get to during the day. So I think those things have really helped me in these crises. And obviously some seasons that's easier than others. So what I'm hearing is kind of there's this filtration system, this mental filtration system that you have where you can almost in some ways control what's coming through, 
what's coming into your mental space. That's really interesting to me. I want to talk about that. You have journaling, which is something that you're doing as an outlet, a way that you can express and kind of work through some of those feelings. And then therapy. You also talked about your schedule, your routine. And then you also talked about exercise and running and and that being another form of mental space to let you work through those things. So like those are five really solid things that I think can be super helpful. I want to get into the nuts and bolts of that a little bit. And I first want to talk about the filtration, like the blocking out. So I watched this video. It was shared by a YouTube channel called ASAP Science. It's one of my favorites. And they do a really great job of breaking down some of the more complicated scientific concepts and making it kind of fun and interesting. And so he was talking about and, and the, the video, it was a short video, and the title was, Why Can't I Get Anything Done While There's a War Going On in Ukraine? He talked about the physiology behind that and how when something like that is happening in the world, your body's reaction to that is to produce adrenaline. And that puts your body into a state of arousal, just really like more being more aware and cognizant of, of what's going on around you. And, and when your brain experiences that, even whether it's a positive or a negative thing, your brain is kind of wired to continue to seek that. And so even though it's not healthy for you, it will fixate on whatever is producing that arousal because it thinks that's what you need, if that makes sense. So that was kind of what they were explaining. This was on a day when all I could do was sit and refresh the Twitter feed. I was watching... (laughs) the a YouTube live video of like coverage and stuff that was going on. I was, I was just thinking about it and worrying about it. Just like watching some of the, the videos and hearing some of the testimonies of people and just like really feeling it. And I couldn't get anything else done. Like I, I tried to stop and I tried to like focus on something else. And I just had a really hard time. All of that to say, I'm really curious how that works for you because I was eventually able to switch my brain off and do some stuff, but I kind of want to hear what that looks like for you. As you're saying this about how you're, you know, refreshing Twitter feeds and stuff, I I think in my head, my, my system sounds a little more callous. I'm not feeling with the people. It's, it's almost like I'm privileged to not be in that circumstance. So I don't have to feel what the people are feeling. And so it's it's just a it's a hard thing I think because there is a need to understand what's going on and to empathize with what's going on and to speak out about what's going on. I think for me, so I'm not on any social media and that is purposeful. If I am on Facebook, it's in a poetry gr- group I belong to or something. I don't look at any feeds. I don't do any of that stuff. And I'm not saying that's the way for everybody, but it's the way that I had to do it because otherwise I found myself being bothered by everything. And mm-hmm. it was kind of like what you're saying where I would find myself sinking into the spiraling holes where it felt like I couldn't climb back out and be creative. And so I took myself off of all those places. And so in, in the morning, before I sit down to write, I open the news app just so I can be aware of some of the things that are going on in the world. It's kind of like my newspaper, which kills me to say that because I trained as a reporter in my first job and 
now I read my news on my phone. It's just the new <laughs> delivery method. Yeah, well. The, the medium love doesn't the, matter. I because, love the actual newspaper. No, I know. But, yeah. And we still get the newspaper. We do, actually. After that, I think there's just this shift in my mind where I think, okay, now it's time to get to work. And obviously, if there is something in the news that makes me feel a certain way, I, I do a lot of, I call it beat poetry. So it's, it's a lot of, you know, the things that make me angry, I'll write a poem about or something like that. Or I'll write down an idea for how to get it into a book or something like that. And it's not that I'm exploiting those things. It's just that that's the way that I filter it. And that's the way that I can, I feel like I can use my voice the best because I'm not in all the social media places. I have profiles, but I'm not ever in those places. So I think, I think for me, it's more of a, because I'm a task oriented person, it's really easy to flip the switch and say, now it's time to work. Stop thinking about all this, all this other stuff. And there are days, I'm not going to say that there aren't days that I don't get sidelined by news or things that are going on or things that are happening in our own life. But I think because I have such rigid habits in place, that is the thing that gets me into the creative mode consistently, despite what maybe like the house is burning down and I'm still up here writing. That's kind of what it feels like sometimes. It's like the world is burning around me, but I think it's connecting to a purpose as well. My best use of my voice is to get my creative work done. Yeah. And believing that, really believing that I think is essential to not being consumed, so consumed by what's going on in the world that you are paralyzed and don't do anything. I'm kind of observing as you're explaining this, the difference between you and I. And I, th I think I'm seeing something really interesting. My news source primarily is Twitter, which is, <laughs> which is not great. It's better than Facebook. Slightly. Yeah. Your news source is Apple News. And regardless of the kind of personality you have or like what you do with that, there's something at play that is a little bit outside of our control. What we know about social media companies is that most of their algorithm is built around increasing engagement. And what has been found to be true is that nothing drives engagement more than outrage or fear. Anger is kind of mixed into that. And so when you have something going on in the world that creates outrage that's polarizing in any way. The way that information is presented on a social media platform is very different from the way that information is presented in a news app. A news app doesn't have the same goals. It's not that social media companies want people to be outraged, but their business model produces that result. And what ends up happening, I think, is that there's just a process at play that exploits human behavior to produce a certain outcome. Because my news source is a social media platform, the outcome is that I become more consumed by it and that my activity, my resulting activity is really driven more towards serving their best interests. Mm. When you get away from it, like if your news source is outside of social media and doesn't have that same kind of underlying goal, I think you have a little bit more agency as a person over how you use that and, and what you do with that information after you've consumed it. Yeah, that's a really good point. 
Now I just need to stop consuming my news on Twitter. You have the same news app I have, so. I do, but I'm I'm kind of addicted to uh kind of addicted to Twitter, probably because they designed it that way. And none of those things are bad things. It's just right. in it, when we're talking about being creative in spite of crises, some of those places can make us feel like we're in not necessarily a bigger crisis than it is, but it just it gets us more riled up than what is conducive to being creative, if that makes sense. Well, and there there is kind of th- this thing going on of you don't want to miss anything that's breaking. You don't want to miss the latest news. And so that is something also about social media platforms is that everything is as pretty much as up to date as you can get it without actually being there in person. And there's kind of this feeling of not wanting to miss out on the breaking news, wanting to be the first to know, wanting to know if the situation changes in any significant way. And if your news source is something like, you're still going to get breaking news, but it's going to be more comprehensive. News outlets, reputable news outlets, take a little bit more time to and care. Informa- yeah, yeah, to make sure the information is accurate. Because they're not in it to make you mad or fearful. They're in it to present information so that you can make your own decision. I think with this topic specifically about like consuming news and stuff, I, I feel like I might have a little bit of an advantage just because I spent 20 years in journalism as a reporter. And so I I think that's part of what pulled me off of social media was that I saw so much trash being shared as news that I'm like, that does not qualify as news in my book. It doesn't even have an editorial board. Like there's nobody doing a checks and balances system, you know, to, to make sure that what is presented is accurate. And I just, I couldn't handle, like if I had tried to correct all of the bad information, that would have been a full-time job and nobody would have been paying me. They would have just hated me. <laughs> That's why I have, I have so much respect for like the live fact checkers when they're like debates, political yeah. debates or news, like significant news reports where there needs to be someone in real time, like saying, Nope, that's actually not an accurate statement. Here's yeah. what's really going on. So anyways, all of that to say, I think where you're consuming your information about the crises going on in the world can make a huge difference toward what you do with that information and how you engage with that information and whether or not it leads you to creativity. Because I totally agree that I think creativity can be a great way to, I don't want to say like you're using the crises as some kind of fuel. Creativity is a way to process through Mm -hmm. your thoughts and feelings. And it's also a way to push back against the bad things that are going on in the world. Finding a place to get the information that produces that kind of outcome versus where I was. And I think what ultimately saved me was I had deadlines. I had a schedule. It was not as much of a routine, but it was like expectations. There was Mm -hmm. some accountability. There were some things that I needed to get done. And so I almost... In some ways, I had no choice but to just like switch that part of my brain off and say, okay, I got to do this. And it's just like with almost any other creative activity, there's kind of this resistance leading up to when you finally get started. But then once you get started, you get immersed in it. 
Right. And that momentum kind of carries you. So Mm -hmm. that's ultimately what helped me break out of that feeling of not being able to do anything. So what I'm hearing from you is that in order to be creative in crises, there should be deadlines or maybe a goal for the day that you have to come back to, like when you're getting lost in that tunnel or that spiral of news information and stuff that creates some kind of emotion in you that you come back to, what is my creative goal for the day? Mm-hmm. What do I want to accomplish? What do I need to accomplish? And flip that switch kind of thing. Yeah. And a lot of what I was doing creatively was work related. So, I mean, that helps because there's, yeah, there's accountability, mm-hmm. there's a financial aspect to it, but I was also able to do some of my own personal creative work once I got myself into that mode. So structure in any form, whether that's something that's scheduled, like a deadline, a routine that you kind of can fall back into, some groove that you can get back into, some form of accountability. Anything that you have set up like that is going to help. Well, and maybe even working into that routine and structure, a time where you consume the news, maybe not consume the news, but just are aware of what's going on. But then you say, okay, that's all I get for today. And the more you practice that, you know, the more that routine becomes solidified. And and with your personal crisis too, having maybe a set amount of time where you think about it and then you just let it go for the day. I think maybe it's not so much flipping a switch, but it's just deciding this is all the time and energy I have to give to this and I'm going to let it go for the rest of the time because I have other things that I need to do. And I'm, I'm speaking more for like personal crisis because I know for me, because my mind, I have anxiety and my mind tends to spiral. And if I let thoughts in, they spiral all the way down to the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And so just having that like mental image of a stop sign is kind of what I, and like, stop, (laughs) stop with the thoughts, you know, maybe having, having that time where you allow yourself to think about it. And that's what I do with journaling. But then knowing once this page is filled, that's it. Like, you're not going to think about this anymore because there's nothing you can do about it anyway. We can't do anything about our leak until a plumber comes on Monday. So why worry about whether or not we're going to, you know. Yeah. And and I think there's a belief that there's only so much you can do and that things are going to work out one way or the other. And wherever you will eventually arrive in the future your ability to meet those future moments is only helped by allowing yourself time to be creative, allowing yourself time to do something related to self-care like exercise or meditation or therapy or whatever. And you can kind of look at the current moment for what has contributed to whatever sense of, even if it's a little bit, but like if you have a little bit of calm right now, if you have a little bit of peace, despite the circumstances if you have a little bit of hope what are the what are the activities what are the things that you've done that have given you those things in this moment for future moments those are the same things that are going to serve you i I think that can be an instinctual thing like we're articulating it here but i think if we really examine what's happening when we're 
experiencing crises and still able to be creative. I think that's a lot of what's happening is we're kind of realizing if I'm not creative, something's going to happen in the future and I'm going to need the hope and the peace and the, the calm that comes from spending time on myself and doing things creatively or spending time in devotion or meditating or, you know, whatever that is for you. Well, and creative work is a respite from the world too sometimes mm-hmm. because when things are falling apart, I feel like I tend to gravitate toward more work, more creating more stories, writing more poetry and those kinds of things, especially when it's a personal crisis and there are just so many loose ends in my head. I feel like it just, I need the creative work to make sense of my world. I want to bring in this comment from JD. He says, I think I do it because I've always been a person that wants to please others. I've always dealt with a lot of anxiety and personal issues. I feel like when I push through and stream, it's mostly for the people that come in and have a good time and can escape their world or their problems for a little bit. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I can identify with that a lot. I'm a self, self-identified self people pleaser. <laughs> That's kind of a, that has a negative connotation, but a lot of folks who like to bring other people joy or make other people laugh or whatever, it's like, I really enjoy, I get, I get a lot of fulfillment out of seeing others who I know are probably going through their own stuff, forget about those things for a second and laugh at something that I made. That brings me a lot of fulfillment. And so JD runs a gaming channel. And so it's like, that's a a form of entertainment that lets people kind of escape their reality for a little bit. And so that is, that's an interesting approach because it's not just like, oh, I'm going to be creative because it's my way of like, combating what's the crises that I'm experiencing, but it's also like, I'm going to be creative because I see other, I see that other people are experiencing crisis and it's my way of helping them and bonus. Like it also helps me escape a little bit. I totally agree. And I feel like that can connect back to purpose as well. Knowing that when you set aside these crises that may be happening in your life, you can connect with the purpose that you have with your creative work. And that propels you to create in spite of madness going on around you. Yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about therapy. We were actually talking about this earlier today on our date. (laughs) We, We have a, we have a Friday date every Friday morning. We go grocery shopping together with no kids. Yep. It's fun. It is fun. And we, we get to chat in the car and the way. And so we were chatting and we were talking about today's topic a little bit and got on the subject of therapy. And I was telling you that kind of in the middle of everything that's going on recently was when, and I'm, I'm super fortunate. I have an employer who actually just recently added a benefit that gives all of the employees free better help sessions, just sessions with a therapist as often as we Super need to. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And so I like, I had been just because of the cost I'd been putting off getting therapy for myself for a long time. Now it's like I, there, I have no excuse, but I was <laughs> still just kind of putting it off. And then I hit a point yesterday where I was like, uh, I need to, I just, I need to schedule this. Mm-hmm. I have to, I have to get something in the schedule. And then like, I was explaining that to you and you kind of shared a similar 
story. Yeah, and I shared it earlier with I was I had that injury and I was trying to find a doctor who could fit me in to figure out like why it was so painful and stuff and it was awful like trying to deal with insurance and trying to deal with doctors and people didn't have any answers for me and I was like is this just the rest of my life now and I was just having that breakdown moment where I finally was it was very clear to me <laughs> that I needed to talk to somebody and, and have some therapy because otherwise I feel like I, I think because of how many crises up to that point we had experienced, it was just, it was too much. It became too much. And there is a real danger when you reach that point because breakdowns are real. And I didn't want to end up, you know, in a hospital and leaving you guys and having another, you know, you'd all be going through another crisis. And yeah, and I consider myself someone who, like, when I think of mental health, I feel pretty solid. I think of myself as someone who's mostly got it together and, and that kind of thing. But that's there's a cumulative effect, though. Right. It's, that happens. There's kind of this miscalculation, I think, especially for people who think of themselves as mentally healthy. Like I had always thought like we wanted to work therapy into the budget. We wanted for everybody in the family to have access to it. And so we were going to kind of add people one at a time based on priority. And like, I had always thought of myself as like bottom of the list. Like I'm the last person. Like Rachel's first. And then Rachel's, yeah. <laughs> Rachel's first, I'm last. So what's kind of interesting to me, I realized as soon as I scheduled my session, I felt this sense of a little bit like a weight being lifted off. Relief. The things that I was carrying, I was not going to have to carry alone. The person who was going to be carrying them with me was also qualified to help me work through those things and figure out how to offload some of that stuff. And the fundamental difference, I think, between, and I, I think it's good too, to have friends you can talk to about the things you're going through who can carry some of that load with you. You talked about your writer's group. Mm -hmm. We've got this thing called the Quarantine Club with some wonderful, beautiful friends, and we talk through our struggles together. But I, I also know when I talk to my close friends, they're also going through stuff and I don't expect them to pick, have answers. Yeah. Or, have answers mm -hmm. and pick things apart. Mostly. I just want to hear like, Oh yeah, that does suck. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. Solidarity. So there's something really valuable in that. But I think the fundamental difference with therapy is that this is a person and sure a therapist will also have their own personal life and maybe be going through their own personal struggles, but, but they're, they're paid. Their to, job, yeah, yeah, their their job and their profession, they're they're qualified mm. to help you carry and unpack and offload some of those things. Well, and in my experience, there are strategies that they can help you find to better deal with some of like my anxiety. There are strategies that I can do, my OCD, there are strategies that I can employ to stop the spiraling thoughts and, and things. So that's been helpful. And, you know, I read a lot of psychology. Like, I am always reading the next thing. But when it comes to yourself, it's extremely, or anybody in your family, really. I can't be a therapist to my kids, you know, because there's yeah. too much at stake. I think that's part of the difference, too, is that a therapist is an outside person who doesn't have to love you, but they're there to help you live your best life. And then, you know, I, I start to realize the upside of this 
if I think I'm being creative now, if I think I'm doing okay now, how much more Uh can I give to the world? How much more creative can I be with therapy? So it's got me, yeah, it's got me, it's got me kind of excited. I think it would be great for everyone to be in therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish we had better mental health coverage and care here in the States. Well, this was, this was a good discussion. I hope that some of the things that we've uncovered as strategies that we've used are helpful to you and your creativity. And I would love to hear from you if you're listening to this. We do live stream these on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ben Tolson. You can check out the channel and find this episode. I'd love to hear your comments or your thoughts on how you stay creative when you're going through crisis. Do you have any other thoughts or anything else to add? I don't think so. All right. Rachel, where can people go to find you online? It's just racheltolson.com. And I'm at bentolson.com. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. See ya. JD and Alana. Great to see y'all. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, this is fun. Yeah. I'm glad we are able to make time for this. I think this. we're learning more about each other even. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wow, she totally flips a switch so she doesn't have to think about things. That's It really is intriguing to me. <laughs> I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel guilty about it because I'm like, am I cutting myself off? It's not that I cut myself off from the emotion of it, I don't think, because I do allow myself to feel when it's time for me to feel. (laughs) So there's, that just seems weird. There's a phrase that I've seen actually, as I was setting up my better health, there's kind of like a intro thing that you fill out. It asks you some questions and then it talks it like, it asks you about what specific things you need help with. Yeah. One of the things is something called compassion fatigue. And that might be what I'm going through. (laughs) No, I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I had never seen that phrase before. Yeah. And I still like, I didn't look it up. Well, it's actually something that therapists deal with a lot because they do have to be empathetic and compassionate in their care and the things that they have to hear and see and the advice they have to give. There are a lot of therapists who go through burnout and compassion fatigue. Yeah. I think if you're, I think if you're asking the question, am I cutting myself off too much? I think you're okay. Yeah. Like if you're actually, if you're actually cognizant of that and you're concerned about it yeah i think you're you're probably you're probably doing okay yeah because there are some folks who just oh they don't yeah yeah well and i'm still an empathetic person like in my daily life and stuff i'm not a i don't yell at people or make people feel bad or whatever you know except my kids right (laughs) i'm just kidding i try not to i do have compassion fatigue with my kids oh gosh so much compassion (laughs) fatigue Certain ones specifically. That's a whole other. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's really interesting, though. We'll we'll have to talk about that some more too. Not necessarily on the show. That's for an, that's a different that's a different podcast. That's a different topic altogether. Yeah. That's a parenting thing.